Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. He kōna e purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora and welcome to Elemental from RNZ. I'm Alison Balance. And I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology. And we are up to episode 75, Silicon, which is a blockbuster of an element. There are so many things we could say about it, but I will try and curb my enthusiasm. I can understand your enthusiasm, though, because silicon has become such a ubiquitous part of modern life. Yeah, it's now so important to our way of life on planet Earth that, indeed, the Santa Clara Valley in California has been renamed Silicon Valley, owing to its importance in the development of computers. Now, I see your Silicon Valley and I raise you Silicon Welly, which is apparently what Wellington, New Zealand, is known in the tech sector. Very good. Now, what is the stuff that we are raving about, by the way? Okay, it is silicon, and that comes from the Latin silex or silicus, which uh, means flint. It's a slightly unexpected name for it, but Sir Humphrey Davies suggested silicium as the name back in 1808 because he thought it was a metal. Then in 1817, the Scottish chemist Thomas Thompson changed it to silicon because he thought it would be a non-metal. And were either of them right? No, no, it's a metalloid. (laughs) (laughs) It lies halfway in between, which is why it gets its properties that are so important in computing. So, vital statistics. Silicon, the chemical symbol SI, the atomic number 14, that puts it, in fact, in group 14, below carbon. It was, in fact, discovered by that man Berzelius again. We met him in uh, the last episode. Berzelius was the first, in fact, to isolate pure silicon in 1824, following some semi-successful attempts by others in years prior. So not only did we meet Berzelius in the last episode with selenium, I think we met him a long time ago with cerium. Indeed, and we will meet him again with thorium, an upcoming episode. So he was a pretty darn good chemist, this guy, and not only did he discover four elements, but he's also credited with originating the chemical terms catalysis, polymer, isomer, and allotrope. Those are words familiar to any chemist although his original definitions differ dramatically from how we use them today. Now, he was also the first person, and this is interesting, to make the distinction between organic compounds, in other words, those containing carbon, and inorganic compounds, obviously those that don't contain carbon. And just uh, to finish it up, he also coined the term protein. What a man, what a polymath. (laughs) But Alan, 
I fear to point out we are digressing somewhat. Oh, come on. You can never digress too much, <laughs> Alison. Anyway, um, yep, okay. I take your point on that. So back to silicon. Fair to say that it is an element of which everyone has heard. Pretty sure about that. And it's the second most abundant element after oxygen in the Earth's crust. So pretty important. Now, we've already alluded to this with the Silicon Valley, Silicon Welly thing, but why the importance of silicon in computers? We need to go back to the late 50s and a little thing called the silicon chip, which was invented around about then. So a silicon chip is basically a whole bunch of electronic circuits on a piece of highly pure silicon. And silicon was chosen for this as uh, it's a semiconductor. And in other words, a material whose conductivity increases with increasing temperature. And silicon wasn't the first element that was used for this. Actually, germanium was used, if you go back to the germanium episode. But silicon took over from that. So we might think that the production of silicon chips is probably the major use of silicon on the planet. But even, you know, billions and billions of chips that are doubtless produced every year, they only consume roughly around about 5% of total silicon production every year. In fact, the rest is used in things like glass and concrete and brick and silicone polymers. So silicone polymers, that would be something like silicone sealants? Yes, indeed. Now, I just, can I have a moan? Because these days, <laughs> builders seem to rely more and more on silicone sealants and not just in the bathroom. And I can't help but feeling it's not good enough. <laughs> anyway, never mind me. Sorry about having a moan. Uh, before we get hold of it for building and for computers and things, how does silicon occur in nature? Okay, so the most abundant compounds of silicon are things called feldspars, which are a whole bunch of uh, different aluminosilicate minerals, meaning they contain both aluminium and silicon and indeed oxygen. And the second most abundant is a thing that's got the chemical formula SiO2, silicon dioxide, or as we know it better, quartz, or indeed we also know it as silica, but we know it best in fact as sand. Now, both of uh, these are used as raw materials for the production of glass and ceramics, which, if I may digress again, Alison, um, oh, leads to a must. kind of an interesting <laughs> question, and one that's been asked quite a bit, actually. Is glass a solid or a liquid? Well, I've um, debated that, and I'm not sure that we've ever resolved it. Hmm. You might think the answer is pretty obvious. It does look kind of like a solid, doesn't it? But, in fact, there are many stories about the windows in medieval churches in Europe being thicker at the bottom than at the top. And so the explanation for this very possibly is that the glass must have in fact flowed under the effect of gravity. So is this true? Is this not? In fact, it's not true. So the windows, in fact, back in medieval times, are pretty hard to make. They were simply not of uniform thickness, and the builders installed them thick side down because that was easier, heavy side down. So... What is glass? Glass is what we would call, in fact, an amorphous solid. And that's a solid that has got no long-range order of its constituent atoms. So a fairly sort of random arrangement of all of the silicon atoms, all of the oxygen atoms, very, very randomly arranged. However, if we go to quartz, and that's the complete opposite, that is a completely ordered substance. And Every silicon atom is tetrahedrally surrounded by four oxygen atoms in an infinite three-dimensional arrangement. So this regular arrangement does in fact give you absolutely stunning crystals. And you've probably all seen quartz crystals in um, things like crystal galleries and stuff like that. 
jewellery. For example, amethyst is a form of quartz, and that contains a smidge of iron, which uh, gives it the colour. So if you look on the internet, you'll see these massive ones uh, in caves in Mexico, which are metres long, absolutely incredible things. Yeah, while we're talking about crystals, folks, yeah, just a quick one here. Don't believe all that stuff on the internet about crystals having healing powers. They just don't. (laughs) If they don't have any healing powers, do quartz crystals have any useful uses then, or are they just pretty to look at? Oh, they're very pretty to look at, but in fact, um, they do have a uh, very interesting property. Uh, Quartz crystals are what we call piezoelectric. And in other words, if you apply a mechanical force to crystals of quartz, they actually develop an electrical potential. And so this is why we have things like quartz clocks and quartz crystal microbalances, which are extremely accurate and they can weigh down, in fact, to nanograms. Silicon itself uh, is also used in solar panels, and that involves the conversion of solar radiation to electrical energy, and we see roofs, etc., covered with these things. However, they're not particularly efficient. They have a maximum efficiency for this uh, conversion of somewhere between 10 and 20%, and it appears that there will be more efficient materials developed for this process over coming years. It's a very, very important process. Is there anything that we should know about silicon biologically? Yeah, silicon doesn't really have a great rap when it comes to health, unfortunately. So the lung disease silicosis comes from inhaling finely divided silica, and that is sadly often found in miners and stone cutters, etc., etc. And asbestos, which is the name given to a number of silicon-containing fibre-like materials, can lead to lung cancer. Very interestingly, there was a story not so long ago about 170 stonemasons in Australia being diagnosed with accelerated silicosis in the last year. And this apparently has been traced back to, sadly, our fondness for fancy stone bench tops, which is terrible, really. Also, on the health side of things, there was, quite a few years ago now, a problem with leaking silicone breast implants. Just to clarify, silicone versus silicon. Silicones are polymers that contain silicon and oxygen and carbon. So silicon and silicones are different things. Good to know. I think (laughs) I'll be spotting silicon and all its various silicates and silicones and silicas (laughs) and various other forms all over the place after listening to this episode of Elemental which I'm sure you know by now lives at rnz.co.nz slash chemistry. And can be found as RNZ Elemental on your favourite podcast app. Right, next week we are back with Silver. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Alan Blackman. And me, Alison Balance, Matiwa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.